0: Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. We cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, yes, we are solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I was going to number three of the Triple Dipper right now. Uh, we call this segment of the show today National Insecurity. Uh, so National Insecurity, the whole Chinese balloon fiasco, uh, has, has really brought out some additional conversation about the level of decision-making competence that we're seeing out of the, the, the Biden White House. We're looking at things like, you know, how much, how much further China will go in terms of probing or pushing or poking. Uh, and, you know, we see all this happening just right before the State of the Union, right when we were going to see uh, blinking travel to China, right as we just signed a new agreement uh, with the uh, Philippines to base U.S. forces and military assets there. Um, and then of course, you know, Congress is about to start investigating COVID origins. Yeah. And then the balloon comes over and it's been a, it's been a whole thing, y'all. And, you know, we talked about it on the show, but I want to bring somebody on now, uh, who I've had the pleasure of knowing for a number of years, uh, Cliff Sims. Uh, he's an Alabama guy, but Cliff Sims served as deputy director of national intelligence, helping to oversee 18 agencies of the U.S. intel community. He also served as special assistant to president Trump. Uh, and was the director of White House message strategy during his time in the White House. Uh, He actually wrote a book about his time. Uh, The book's called Team of Vipers. Uh, It became an instant New York Times bestseller. Uh, And then he went on to lead the messaging and speech writing team for the 2020 Republican National Convention. Um, So he's also, by the way, the way I got to know him at first was he was the founder of what we know as Yellowhammer News here in Alabama. And he's currently the CEO of a company called Telegraph Creative that does a full-service creative uh, uh, business based in Birmingham, Alabama, clients from multinational corporations down to small businesses. All of that to say, hey, Cliff Sims, how you doing, man?
1: Phil, I'm doing great. You'll, you'll always be Senator Williams to me, but uh, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be on with you today.
0: Well, I appreciate it, man. And, and, and listen, thanks for making some time. And, and, and Cliff, before we even get into the meat of our discussion here, I got to say, one of the best stories I ever heard somebody give in a speech was you talking about being on Air Force One and calling your grandfather to tell him you were on Air Force One.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that was awesome. And the uh, when we get on there, you find out they've got this amazing communications package because obviously you got to be able to be in touch with you know whomever on the ground while you're up there. And when I realized you had a a, a phone at at every single seat, uh, I picked it up and and dialed my granddad, uh, who's you know about to turn 96. And uh, that is definitely a moment that I will will never forget because they the operator says, uh, uh, Mr. Breland, we have. Air Force One for you. And I could just hear the kind of how befuddled he was, (laughs) you know, who's going to say no when Air Force One uh, calls or is this a prank call or what's going on? But yeah, that was a a really cool uh, moment. uh,
0: That is a good moment. That's, 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 that's one for the books, but um, well, listen, man. uh, So you, you've had some uh, some unique opportunities over the last uh, six, seven, eight years um, to serve in uh, positions of power and where you can see things firsthand Let me ask you this. I want to ask you before we even get into the balloon itself. You know, we're hearing a lot of talk about whether a balloon came over during the Trump years and what Trump would have done. And the decision making processes that we're seeing out of the Biden administration appear to be almost tepid to me. What was it like watching Trump make decisions? Was he quick with the decision? Did he did he weigh other people's comments? What what was it like?
1: Yeah, well, I think that that one of the things that may surprise people from my experience is, especially when it was issues of life and death, you know, issues dealing with the military or covert action or intelligence or things like that. He was extremely deliberative in his process and wanted to get a really well rounded view of, you know, all the different angles. What are the implications? What are my options? Uh, you know, the military is really good about bringing a menu of options in when there's a certain crisis situation and what are, you know, what could we do here. I found him to be really deliberative about that. And, and frankly, his instincts in general uh, are, are much more non-interventionist than I think people would maybe guess based on his personality. Um, you know, really takes the decision to use military force uh, you know, extremely seriously and very reticent to do it unless he believes it's the right thing to do um and then in those moments he's very decisive i mean i was there when we chose to uh, launch an airstrike uh in syria because uh it was found that they had used gas uh on their own people there and so he struck that airport 51 tomahawk missiles all of them hit their their targets so i was there for that decision he's very decisive I was also there with him when he found out for the first time that an American service member under his watch had been killed in action and and saw the way that that impacted him on just a very deep uh, human level. And I think it's one of those decisions that – or experiences that unless you're the president and understand the weight of that, it's just difficult to – you know, you maybe can intellectually understand that, but to see the weight of those kind of decisions on the president was really, uh, really something to experience for sure.
0: Well, that's 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 such great personal insight, and uh, and yeah, you were definitely there for some for some key decision making. Let, let me ask you this: the 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 Biden administration right now, we're watching this situation with the Chinese, you know, spy balloon, and it's it's acknowledged the Chinese say it's ours. The, the Pentagon says it was maneuverable. The Pentagon also says it did have a payload of some type on it. We don't know for what. And that it floated over the United States for several days before the Biden administration acknowledged it. Um, and then they let it float again further for several more days until it got off the East Coast. Basically, it flew across the entire United States. In, in your opinion, having worked there, do you think that Trump would have let that thing linger or would he taken quick action? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no chance. And I've seen some reporting out there about that, you know, several of these uh, happened during the Trump administration, albeit uh, they claim to have not found out about them until after we had left. And they also said that they were of shorter duration. So you don't know what that's, but I can say definitively, um, you know, working in, in, in the office of the director of national intelligence, that nothing like this uh, happened while we were there, nor would we have allowed it to, to happen. Uh, here's what we know for certain. This thing flew over uh, ICBM facilities. It flew over the head of U.S. Strategic Command. It flew over Whitman Air Force Base, the home of the B-2 bomber. It flew over the Y-12 National Security Complex at Oak Oak Ridge, which was built during the Manhattan Project. Uh, It flew near our ports in South Carolina that would be our distribution network for supplying a conflict near Taiwan, were that to break out. So, Even without knowing what the payload was of this balloon, uh, the possibility that it was for uh, reconnaissance and surveillance, uh, we basically just allowed them to look at some of the most sensitive locations here in the U.S. homeland. Uh, But unfortunately, I I feel like this fits a pattern of behavior from the Biden administration. They have not secured the southern border, uh, and now they're not securing our airspace. And so under no circumstances would something like this have been allowed to happen during the Trump administration. They should have shot this thing down uh, over the Aleutian Islands in Alaska when they first started you know, tracking this thing coming into U.S. airspace. Um, you, know, you can see now because of all the open source data that exists out there, you can see all the flight patterns of the U.S. military and the Canadian uh, military when the thing was over Canada. Uh, there were plenty of opportunities where it was in remote locations where you know, their excuse that they didn't want any of the debris to fall down and hit anybody on the ground would not have been nearly as much uh, of an issue as it would have been over some of the population centers that they allowed it to go over. There's really no excuse for this, and, and my only real explanation for what they might have been thinking was simply that, hey, this thing's going to be up there 40, 50, 60,000-plus feet it's above commercial airline traffic even if somebody sees it it's going to kind of be like hey what's that thing up there oh my gosh it's another ufo sighting or whatever kind of and they would have basically let this thing float across the united states and and no one would have been the wiser for it no one would have even known that it existed i think that was what they were hoping would happen yeah and unfortunately the thing came down low enough where it could actually be uh, spotted by the naked eye, even uh, on the ground, and that's where we find ourselves in the position that we are now.
0: Well, and, I, and I, I completely agree with that. I mean, there are some there are some indications right now that what we're seeing is is a um, a, a situation where it, it would not have been known to the general public had it not been reported by local media in uh, in Montana, because that's where the story broke was on local media. Yeah, um,
1: no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Hey, hey let, let me
0: ask you this too. I mean, kind of going back to that discussion we had a moment ago about. Trump's decision-making style. Uh, Part of my speculation uh, is that this was as much a probe not on what the payload was gathering, but as much a probe about how the Biden administration will react to a provocation. Um, Giving an opportunity here to say, hey, we're China and we'll fly over your stuff if we feel like it and then see what they say. What are your thoughts on
1: that? Well, I think that's exactly right, uh, Phil. And you know, the foundation of any national defense strategy is credible deterrence. And this was the importance during the Trump administration of, for instance, when the president launched the uh, the strike to kill uh, Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, and everyone freaked out and said, "Oh my gosh, you're going to start World War III." And actually, what happened is the Iranians had to say, "Okay, there are real consequences now. We can't be out there killing." Americans undermining America's interests, screwing around in Iraq and other places in the Middle East and Syria and all over the place, there are going to be real consequences for this. And so if you are Xi Jinping in China right now, you're, you have seen a series of debacles. You have seen uh, the Biden administration's uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. You have seen uh, what is going on in Ukraine right now. Uh, and, and you see the focus that, and attention that that has sucked up and is taking uh, not just attention but some of the uh, military assets that we would need to use to defend a Taiwan and deploy them elsewhere where, uh, in the world. And now you're seeing that you can even send a reconnaissance balloon uh, across the entire continental United States and they will not do anything about it. And if you or Xi Jinping thinking about uh, – or you've made it very clear – that taking Taiwan is a legacy goal for you. I mean, this is a huge deal, important thing for you, and you're facing the prospect of Biden potentially being out of office in two years. This window of time between now and then uh, could start looking like a pretty good window of time to make a move on Taiwan. And if that is ha- if that happens, the implications of that are uh, just. It's enormous, enormous. And so I think that you are exactly right. Um, you know, they have a history of provocations ahead of diplomatic meetings. So Secretary of State Blinken was supposed to be headed over there uh, over the weekend. That trip was was delayed. And so, uh, you know, they have seen the Biden administration time and time again, uh, not meeting the moment when uh, a, a difficult uh, uh, provocation gets put in front of them.
0: Well, and, you know, and the other interesting uh, piece of the uh, overall schedule here is that uh, it's just days prior to the State of the Union address, which where, where Biden has to stand up and try to paint the rosy picture and say why his, his administration is doing everything right and all the things it's going to do in the year to come. And, and, and literally right now he is, he is having to follow one of the most embarrassing uh, world stage debacles that he's had since the pullout of Afghanistan as he takes the podium to give the speech tomorrow night.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a big communications challenge. You know, the first time that I was uh, was there in the administration serving in the White House, I was doing messaging and communications, including uh, for two uh, joint addresses to Congress, State of the Union uh, addresses. And this is an opportunity for any administration to dominate a news cycle and try to set the narrative that they're trying to set. And of course, Biden has got a, a very complicit media apparatus there in, in Washington, D.C. that would love to help him do that. And so I know the planning that goes into this is just, it's just enormous. And so to have something like this happen, you know, just days before it's going to hijack the whole narrative, uh, it's going to make it very difficult for the Biden administration to control the narrative that they want, uh, that they, the way that they want to. And so, um, you know, I would expect they're going to have to say something about this, and domestic politics here are demanding a hard line on China Um, And so it'll be really interesting to see how he he handles that, how he couches his decision making, because we really still haven't gotten to the bottom of uh, an explanation of why on earth, other than you didn't want debris to hit people on the ground, did you let this thing traverse the entire continental United States? We have not yet gotten that from, from Biden. So we'll see if he can stay away through his own State of the Union uh, address tomorrow night.
0: It'll be interesting to see. Well, Cliff Sims, with about a minute or so left to go, let me put you on the spot. Um, if you were the messenger for the Republicans and the Biden administration, either one, what is your what is your top message point in the aftermath of this shootdown of a balloon? What are you saying? That's the message. Stick with it. This is what you've got to say to control the narrative. What would you have each side say in about a minute to go? Yeah, if,
1: if I am uh, the Trump folks or if I'm Republicans in general, I'm talking about weakness. I'm talking about weakness at the border. I'm talking about weakness on crime in our cities across this country. I'm talking about economic weakness. I'm talking about weakness that has allowed inflation to run rampant and um, families across this country to not be able to make ends meet. And I'm talking about weakness on the world stage. And one thing I learned from Trump is that the messages that, that are the most impactful are ones that reinforce the, the, a notion that is already inside somebody's head. The way Trump can put a nickname on somebody that would actually reinforce an impression that somebody already had, even if it was subconscious. And when you think about Biden right now, weakness is the one that resonates the most, and that's the one I would press the hardest.
0: All right, brother. Well, listen, I ran long to keep you going, but uh, I sure appreciate your time. Uh, Cliff Sims, former deputy director of national intelligence and also a uh, chief advisor, a special assistant to the president, uh, Trump. We appreciate you, man. You have a great day.
1: All right. Thanks for having me.
0: See you. Boomer, I ran long on purpose. I'm going to have like no time when we get back. Take it to the break, brother. We appreciate it. Folks, that was a great call. That's the kind of stuff you can get on Right Side Radio. Mm -hmm. We'll have more discussion on this when we get back. I'm pretty sure some of y'all want to call in and talk about the balloon debacle. Give me your thoughts. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back.